Hello and welcome to the Football Index podcast. Before we start, I have never got this many questions in a post before. Uh, it was quite ridiculous, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think I tweeted it and I just had to put my notifications off on Twitter because it was just becoming ridiculous at work, having so many tweets fired at me. Uh, but I am joined by the infamous Jay Hall. Jay, how are you doing today, mate? Good, thank you, mate. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, thank you for joining me. So why don't we get straight into it? Why don't you tell us what got you into FI and a bit more about your football index journey? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was, uh, as boring as it sounds, it was a Facebook ad, whoscored.com. Um, Aaron Ramsey, buy for 8p. Uh, clicked on the link, joined up, uh, risk-free offer. Um, there was also a deposit bonus a couple of, couple of days afterwards. I mean, all the sort of things that generally, I guess, attract people in. Um, so, yeah, I got a bit of money out of my ISA, um, popped it in, had to play around with it, um, got the deposit bonus. Um, and then, yeah, just started noticing plenty of ways to profit. So, um, did some analyses. Um, you know, a lot of the trades are always intuition as well. Um, made a lot of, lot of money in a short space of time. Um, and, yeah, just kept going, really. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned deposit bonuses there. Like, what what do you think of them? Just just to go off on a bit on a tangent, because a lot of people really dislike them at the moment. A lot of people, I'm not sure. I, I think I've kind of changed my tune slightly. Not that I'm for them, but I think when Alan Cooper came on the podcast a few episodes ago, he talked about how he deposit he used a deposit bonus, and he didn't feel locked in. But because he'd made so much money and because he'd started to properly learn the platform he kind of just stuck he stuck with that money that he put in even though he thought he was going to withdraw it i mean i guess the issue with the deposit bonus is how it is how it skews the market in the short term um i think um it's always annoying if you hold um lots of money in the lower end of the market because obviously you don't make as much money in the short term um, but ultimately, that money always filters through, so it's fine. Um, I think that probably, I imagine going forward, the index will use them um, to um, deal with any sort of market stagnation. Um, and I think, I guess, in that respect, it can be a useful tool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, I, I'm not, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm a massive fan of it. Uh, yeah, but then moving on from deposit bonuses, uh, what do you currently make of? Football Index as a product, a company, and what do you make of the trader community? It's built around. Uh, it. I mean, products unreal, you know, and we all love it. And you know, I don't need to go on about it, do I? Um, I'm a massive football fan and always have been, um, and I love data. So it, it's bringing those two things together, if you like. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I like I keep saying, you don't need to love data. Um, plenty of people have shown that intuition can be as profitable. Um, I think what impresses me and why I put more money in over time was the professionalism um, of the company. Obviously, when you first join, you're not sure what's going on. You, it does. You're always going to, you know, if you're an anxious person, you're always going to have um, some anxieties over, um, you know, is it a scam? What, what's it about, etc. Um, but yeah, the professionalism in the company, obviously. And I think the thing that I most like about it is the fact that, in my view, um, the company really takes seriously its role um, to maintain the stability of, of the index. Um, I've seen that numerous times now where even if, even if it's four or five days of, of, of poor trading conditions, you know, they will do something about it. Um, and I think that's 
that gives me a lot of peace of mind. Um, it's kind of like having like a guardian of the market, which a lot of markets don't have. Um, yeah, I think I think that's really important for people that haven't really ever experienced any other market condition. So if you're someone who's never traded anything um, and you've only ever bet or if you've never even placed a bet in your life to have someone like a market maker, which Football Index currently are, to kind of be that guardian that you just mentioned is quite helpful. But Jay, we had so many questions. We need to move on. But before I move on, I need to plug myself a little bit it'd be rude not to yeah do it man. <laughs> thank you very much um so you can catch me on youtube as well i have never ever got this many subscribers in a week uh usually i was getting maybe 25 30 a week the last seven days i think i've got over 100 which is absolutely wow. insane thank you so yeah, much been so many new users so many new users on the index i mean i'm sure everyone's followings and etc has increased but yeah please please do check out the youtube channel some uh, decent content there i made a video recently about the in-play dividends how i think they kind of could affect the market in the, in the future perhaps or maybe should affect the market um but again more of a slightly opinionated piece that one and if you want to see some writing rather than see my face or hear my voice totally understandable me football index lm liam and fi trader have the place for you the football index blog that goes out fortnightly on medium uh please please have a look at that it's doing quite well and uh, i really do like writing on medium it's great if you want to hear me speak about just football not football index but uh, it might help your football knowledge then head over to the state of play podcast that's state of play pod on twitter and state of play podcast on any of your podcast apps if you want to collaborate with me or sponsor the podcast hit me up on football.index.guide at gmail.com and lastly please leave a review it really helps me out and you know people coming on to podcast apps and stuff seeing that many reviews i'm sure that ropes in a few people to hear my stupid voice which is great but now jay on with the questions mate and we had so many <laughs> so yeah. many um and I, I, okay there were a lot about pumping and dumping and i can't yeah, ask it's important I can't, to address i can't ask yeah that, I, i'm glad, glad you said it I, i'm i can't ask every single question but I'm going to pick one. But before that, I'm so there are a lot of people in the football industry community on Twitter and other platforms uh, that pump and dump players. I, I think that's kind of a fact. I think there's people who who are doing it um, maliciously. And I've outed a few people out in the in the past. Uh, I think I tweeted a, a picture of uh, Fi Tipster, was it, um, or whatever his name is, who was actually selling a player. He was <laughs> endorsing people to buy, which I I thought was really bad, um, just in general. If if I was going to go on a bit of a rant here, and I think that we as a community and i think fi futures traders mentioned it in the last podcast that we have a responsibility even if you've just ticked over like a thousand followers or whatever suddenly that's four figure people following your tweets and i think sometimes that if you are taking that for granted and you're taking advantage of that i think it's to detriment of the the product i, I talked a little bit about the um the affiliate people were, were posting everywhere uh, whenever someone talks about football index and i was like you don't you have money in this thing but you don't understand how this is making look, the product look from outside in so what do you say to people who see you in that light the the, the pump i mean i think the, the question you the, the point you just raised about responsibility is it, it is something that, you know, only the past two weeks I, I've begun to grapple with in a sense, as stupid as it sounds. I, I don't really think about followers and stuff like that. And I, and, and someone mentioned to me that they've got like 700 followers. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of followers. And like, 
I've got I've got like six hundred followers. It's like what? That's mental. Like when you think about it, and and then I started reflecting on this, and so you know you have to like if you can put yourself in someone's in someone else's head, it's like you're tweeting out things just to a few people you think because it feels like that because there's only a few people that reply usually it's like but you've got 600 followers it's like yes and so I, I completely agree it's like we need to now and I've tried to do this a lot in the past two or three weeks be really specific with the language that we use particularly because of, there's a lot of new trades on here as well and it's like you need to, you do need to take it seriously because a lot of people are putting big you know big parts of their savings into this and so you know i think the first point about responsibility i think it's a really important point to make and, and, and thank you for that um okay so this pumping and dumping issue i mean i guess it, it's helpful to define what i consider yes yes if you could i think i think and that, what that i would put us off as a good and what i would consider and where i would consider that to be um pathological or, or um uh, nefarious to a degree um i think if you go into a tweet with the intention of um you know ising um a player uh, upon a price rise and i mean it's a bother there isn't anyone that would deny that um, I think if you make a tweet that you know to be dishonest, again, abhorrent, um, no one again is going to deny that. Um, I think if even if you are uh, only market selling and you're still tweeting the promotion of a player you want to get rid of, I think that's vile. Um, I think with, with the market issue, with the market selling issue, it becomes um, it becomes a kind of grade. Um, if you market, if you tip a player and you market yourself to 5%, it's like, well, how good was your tip? Why did you tip a player you thought was, you were going to sell after 5%? Even at a 10% rise, it's like, well, should you be tipping players you think are going to rise by only 10%? Um, well, well, I suppose, sorry you... to interrupt you, Jay, but like, I suppose yeah. whether it be 5 10%, those add up, don't they? So I guess if you are pumping and dumping, um, someone in the community if someone in the community is and you consistently are making those five and ten percent they do add up but they are yeah, no, yeah other people. Fair point. but i mean they do add up but the point is that that, that kind of behavior is not i mean i find it abhorrent i'm sure most people would find it pretty appalling um i think if you if you um find a player that you believe is considerably underpriced um and you tip him with the intention of selling at some point, um, but you consider that player to be, you know, dramatically underpriced. I mean, I do this quite frequently. Um, you know, I will tip a player if I believe that player is significantly underpriced. And then the, the, the sale price is not determined by um, some preordained idea that my, I might have. It's solely determined by the market reaction. So, um if I find a player who's 80 pence and I think they're one pound, they should be one pound thirty. Um, as soon as that player gets to one pound twenty, I will consider exiting that trade. Now, that could happen in a night. It's very, very rare that it does. Um, I thought of one example. Um, 
Nacho of Real, Real Madrid, who just shot up like astronomically. Um, and I think I moved about a third of those out. Market sold them um, during the game. I mean, that was a ridiculous trade. Um, that was insane. He he was 89p. Should never been that price. Um, fifth choice Real Madrid defender. Um, and I tweeted it out. Um, but the reason that that rise happened wasn't just my tweet. It wasn't you know people who saw that tweet. It was because he you know posted a massive score, and he was the fifth. You know, he was the first choice reserve for, for Real Madrid. So, you know, I think people overestimate the power that these tweets have. You know, to get a big rise, there has to be some kind of salient kind of reason that resonates with people. Um, yeah, but I, think but I, it- I suppose there is that other fl- flip side as well. And I, I, I have just been thinking about it in my head as well. Yeah, yeah it's, this, not, it's an important issue. It, it's not only... You, the followers of the people that are tweeting it's also if you use the football index hashtag there are a lot of people who could who could then see it but i i suppose that uh, okay in your head sometimes when you when you tweet about a player you're like okay if someone else sees the same um points or variables that i see they're probably gonna buy and um if they are in the same mindset as me about this player they'll buy but there are probably also people that kind of have no idea what they're doing they see someone who has football index in their bio or tweets a lot about football index they see the tweet and they're like oh wow you know what nacho's up 20p why don't i take a gamble before you know it they're 5p down or whatever and kind of panicking panicking so Mm -hmm. do you think people um don't think about that side of things as well i I think this this raises with a point that someone else made a question about um you know, um, some kind of like transparency. It's like, I, I thought about this as well. It's like, well, you could you could put a, you could note um, what you consider to be a suitable exit price. Um, I've actually I have done this before. Um, of course, you know the, the people that people I believe there is a group of people who are you know sort of predisposed. I mean, everyone has people that dislikes that 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 dislikes them. Everyone, you know, even someone like yourself that 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 runs, you know, um, uh, uh, um, an inoffensive podcast will have people that you know are scrutinising your actions. And I think the issue with this exit price was that I said, look, you know, I think I would get out of this player at set price now because I think it's got overheated. And then what happens is they come back with, well, now you're trying to push the player's price down. It's like, no, I'm just trying to say when I made this tweet, it was good value, but now I don't consider it good value. So I think I think it's very difficult to navigate um, tipping in um, a way that satisfies everyone. Um, I, I think the attention that I get is very odd given that there are, I mean, there are anything up to upwards of 50 accounts who do similar things. So I, I would consider that the, that the um, attention that falls upon my account feels very strange to me. Um, and, and it makes me wonder why my account gets that attention that it does. Um, that is something that I often think about um, and I fail to figure out, um, but but I'm not sure that, there, that, that, that there's anything 
I mean, one of the next one of the questions was about you know other things that I could have done differently, isn't there? Yeah, and I yeah. think if, I if think, you've kind of regretted any mistakes, yeah, and, and so you know we can talk about that in context of the tweets. But in terms of the actual tips, I, I don't know. I mean, I try to be, um, I try to be as transparent as I can be. Um, uh, you know, I had some guy interrogating my tweets, and I, I sent him a number of screenshots of me still holding these players. It's like, well, what, what, that's not good enough. It's like, well, what? I don't know. It's very difficult for me to know what more um, people want. And I feel that whatever I provide this small group of individuals with will never be enough. And that's fine. And that's absolutely fine. I've written those people off. I have no interest in engaging with them um, anymore. Um, but what I would like, I would like to make it clear, you know, and I hope I have made clear what I'm doing here is looking for players I consider to be underpriced, right? I'm buying those players. Now, you may say to me, you don't need to Twitter tip them, and I would accept that I don't mm -hmm. need to Twitter tip them. You took the words so, out of my mouth. <laughs> yes. So let's think about this and let's be open and honest about it, right? So, so where does self-interest come in? It's like because I wouldn't, I wouldn't tip them for neutral unless I was an incredibly benevolent individual. I wouldn't tip Twitter tip them for neutral. I mean, I do, I actually do from time to time. Um, but the, the self interest, I guess, I've thought about this. It comes from probably, I would say, being honest, shortening that time between when the player is at the price that they shouldn't be to how quickly they can get to the price where they should be. And it's like, so the tip shrinks that time period. Now, it won't shrink it entirely. It's very unlikely that, as I say, that you can ever get a, 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 um, a tip that will, that will shrink that period down to one day. But it definitely, it definitely shrinks the time period from when you would buy the underpriced player to when you would consider selling that player. And I think, you know, if I'm being honest, that's what where, that's where the self-interest comes in. And if honestly, and if people want to say that that is, um, is it unscrupulous or they don't like that, that's absolutely fine. Um, please, you know, don't follow me or. Um, but please, yeah, be, be, be sure about what I'm doing. There. Um, and, you know, I'm being a bit harsh on myself there because I'm not, it's not solely self-interested. It's not financially self-interested. You know, it, there, are, there are other motivations to why people go on Twitter and why people do, um, people try to, you know, develop accounts that have, um, you know, followings and, and, and legitimacy and, um, and some kind of status, you know. It, it, I guess it's a status game. Um, but but are, can... are there are there also people that just genuinely really love the product and they want to help the product grow through creating a, a an account with a certain amount of followers or a certain amount of um, status? Well, absolutely, yeah, of course. You know, and 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 you know, I think, I don't want. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to say it because. 
you're, you're, you're kind of trying to paint yourself as some kind of, um, I don't like to, to paint myself as some kind of saint. It would be stupid for me to sit there and say, look, you know, I do this because I like helping others and I like teaching. That's true. I do like helping others. I spent three hours of my day today doing something for someone else that I didn't have to do. It's like I like doing that. There's no point me coming on here and saying I like helping people. Who, who, you know, the, of the people that are sceptical of what I'm up to, they're not interested in, in listening to me saying, well, actually I've taken on teaching responsibilities this year because I enjoy teaching. Mm. Um, but I enjoy up? sharing with others. You know, I enjoy learning. Um, I, you know, half of my trades probably are, are um, trades that come from uh, conversations on Twitter with other people. Maybe not half, but a third, a decent amount. So it's like that community in itself holds tremendous value. It's like let's have civil conversations with those people about how to improve our trading performance. It's like, yes, that does provide a massive component of why people go on Twitter. Absolutely. But if I say, if you say that, people say, oh, yeah, great guy, no worries. If <laughs> I say that, people say, you know, lies. So, 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 this, is where, so this is where I want to uh, talk about it a little bit, right? And And perhaps okay why people would say that about me is because i've tried to be as neutral as possible when making this content on twitter etc etc however there are people f and okay i'm gonna bring up the uh i don't know there was a, lo a lot of people talking about the the tweet about peruvian players i don't really remember it myself but yeah, a lot of people me, but yeah a lot of people looked at that and just went you know pretty much forget about this guy never going to follow him again Absolutely. what a dickhead like what, yeah, so what, what do you what, what do you make of that kind of uh period or like during the world cup a lot of people really dislike that tweet um do you do you want to walk us through it a little bit I don't, I, I, yeah i mean i didn't tweet anything about about peru i don't think okay uh, maybe uh, it wasn't uh, you. you no definitely wasn't me i i, I would never I, I mean unless i can't remember like it was too long ago but Sorry to sorry, sorry to accuse you uh, of let me, that. Let me just check. It, Anyone it in wasn't you? Uh, so, so then let's 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 circle back slightly. So yeah. instead of so forget about the Peru thing. It's a good what, point what about... you make about your neutrality, and I think that's important. I wasn't trying to compare in any way what I'm doing to what you're doing, um, because you are staying neutral from the content. Absolutely, and I don't deny that. Um, I'm profiting from my content. Yeah. Are there people who have seen some of your previous tweets, not like them, and then potentially not uh, ever given you a second chance, or yeah, just potentially, kind of yeah, not understood but, why you're doing X or Y? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good. This is a good conversation. Um, I, I think the issue with the World Cup tweets, and I remember, and I had a couple of private messages about this, was obviously I. Um, contributed to um, um, what can we say to trying to define the lineups if you like for the World Cup so people, some people might remember those graphics that I produced for um, the World Cup um, of predicted teams um, and uh, so um, I think the um, and you know again 
a very small minority of those players in those teams were my hearts. I mean, some of them were, I'm not saying they weren't, but, you know, the contribution, um, again, was partly selfless. That was acknowledged, to be fair, by um, some people who thanked me afterwards. But it's like, the issue with the World Cup was I contributed to the development of those graphics and to building the hype around the World Cup and then felt it was the right time to sell the World Cup players. And that, I think, um, was where the controversy around the World Cup was, was that I'd not then held all my World Cup players through to the end of the World Cup. I mean, I did I did hold ones who were going to be good for PB next season. Um, so I probably still held, held a lot more World, uh, World Cup players and lotteries, but I didn't hold all of them. Um, and so I, you know, I had a number of conversations with people about that. Um, and I understand the concerns that people had. Um, I, they found it odd that I would um, get excited about event and then not hold all of the players during the event. Um, uh, is, it a, is it a valid criticism? Um I think it's a maybe, slight, yeah, maybe. slightly valid, yeah, but yeah. I do yeah. think that when someone, I don't know, when you talk to someone, I've had this with friends before where they're like, okay, who, who do you think's good value? And I'll say, oh, well, you know, I've bought X and Y recently. And what will happen is they'll either rise loads and then I'll potentially sell or sell some or they'll fall. What seems to happen is uh, when my friends come back to me and say, oh, this player's dropped, and I'm just like, okay, well, I was just telling you who I bought. The other side of it was, oh, do you still hold this guy? He's gone up loads. And I'm like, no, I sold. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. why, why did yeah. you sell? But I, I think it's different when you do it in the private environment yes. to a public yeah. one. I think yeah. that's the, the, the fine no, line. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It comes back to that responsibility point, I think. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, like, the assumption is then that um, some kind of... Uh, Firstly, that I was right. I'm not sure that I was in all of the sales. Um, I mean, Mbappe, for example, was sold five quid, maybe five pound twenty, something like that. So, you know, a lot of the decisions to sell were not the right decisions. Um, uh, yeah, people, people obviously are more um, sensitive if the things that you do. Um, end up costing them money inadvertently, I guess. Um, but, um, no, you're right. I mean, it does it does come down to, to, this, to this point about responsibility. And I, and I think, you know, having this conversation and getting it out there, in a sense, is beneficial not only um, to myself, but also to other people to just think about um, the consequences of... Um, of the things that we're doing, yeah, definitely. But honestly, at the World Cup, I never had any, even, I'd never even any kind of concept that, that anyone was listening or following. Um, uh, you know, I get about 15, 20 people that inbox me, um, probably about the similar kind of people who are liking the tweets. So, so that, that feels like the community, because I've never used Twitter. I'm new to it as well, which I think is part of the problem. Um, I don't, I never really, I never thought about it, I think is, 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 um, is the honest answer. Mm. In terms okay. of I, 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 
I, I take that and I, I'm, I'm really appreciative that you've been honest um, and I do thank Jonathan Gill uh, for the question that was the most sensible one um, around this subject so well, thank you very much Jonathan I think it's important just to state very succinctly that if you're following me what I'm doing is highlighting players I believe are underpriced with prob- I will probably look to sell with a 25-30% price rise and whenever that happens I would look to move that player on so if I can just say that for clarity so people know what I'm doing, yeah. I mean, that could occur in a day. could be usually takes a month, two months, can take six months. I'm still holding terrible trades that I've had from a year ago. So the, the, the sell time is governed by when, when I believe that player gets to the, to the max price. But I'm moving a lot of players on. I think that's a fair and valid observation. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, th- thanks for kind of being brave enough to, to talk around this subject. Now, I do think it's important to talk about responsibility as a community, but I do think we've got a lot of questions and we've yeah, yeah, spent yeah, a lot yeah, of time yeah, talking absolutely. about this. So our Football Index, who's been on the podcast before, and so has Jonathan Gill, actually, who asked the previous question. When you're watching several games at once, for example? Um, I think what you need to do first, I mean, it depends. The answer, I guess, is it depends on the level of experience on the index. I think the first thing to do is to learn what um, makes players rise. Um, and then you can then in turn tailor your viewing to what you're looking for. You know, there's no point watching a game um, where a 30-year-old plays a blinder for Getafe. It's like nothing's happening there. There's no transfer likely. There's no development you're unlikely to get pb um you know no one's none of these um like hipster football accounts are taking to twitter to promote those players so it's like learn what in my view learn what learn what rises prices over time um but stepping out of the index you're also looking for actual performance as well um you know you're looking at players who you believe are going to make national squads who are going to um, get uh, potential transfers um, who, you know, might increase their profile. Um, I talked about players that I've been watching of late in some of the, some of the good performing Spanish clubs in, in Spain. It's like there's a couple of players in there who um, they're good players and like they're, they're, they're cheap prices. Um, and they're getting a little bit of buzz around their performance. Um, the buzz is coming from the commentators in game. So I'm list- I listen to a lot of the commentators because I think uh, I think it's mad not to. Um, I think you know a lot of the comment a lot of the commentators that, that get on football day games these days are like you know they're, they're experts in their field. It's like listen to them. So I'm always listening to commentary. Um, I'm looking for like I'm listening to buzzwords. You know, I'm listening to like. Uh, called up to the national team. This player's really come on this year. This player's been outstanding. Um, you know, just any positive words, I guess, I'm listening for. Um, that's listening. So I always listen to a couple of games and then I'll watch them. If I'm watching games, I'm looking for, like, um, I'm looking for flair, um, I guess. You know, guys who go past people and are looking a little bit exciting because they're the in thing at the moment, aren't they, on the market? So it's like I'm trying to find those. Um, obviously, looking for output, so assists, um, goals, 
clean sheets. Completed passes are really important in the performance buzz um, metric. So if you're getting someone who you can see is banging through 30 passes, it's really important as well. Um, set plays, really important. Um, so that's a really good edge is to watch your game and realise who's on set plays. Um, it's a good idea to sort of figure out who the set play takers are, I would say, for the major um, European clubs, at least the top 10 clubs in each league. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of... Is that, is that, is that kind no, of, that's an excellent answer. Thanks for... I think th- th- we don't... Uh, I don't know what you think. What what kind of things are you looking at? You, you must watch a lot of football as uh, well. Yourself. Well, I'm a big Arsenal fan. Uh <laughs> I really, uh, so, yeah, and I do watch. Um, I don't say I, I wouldn't say I watch a, an extreme amount of football. Um, I, I'd say I, I watch uh, a relatively decent amount. Um, for me, I've I don't want to. I don't know. I, I can usually tell when a, a player is very good um, when they play. I think just from for, uh, just on the technical side of things, like technically, I think you can tell when a player's really, really good. Like you, they've got that. It's kind of hard to describe. Uh, and, and I think for me, if I am looking at these youngsters uh, in terms of intending to purchase them, they've got to play for me. That's my personal opinion. Like I want them to play because I deem them less risky assets in air quotes on on football index but um i i think that that for me is uh, what i i tend to look at um youngsters uh, well not solely youngsters but if i am looking at youngsters they they are players that actually play and, and can have have that output that you talked about but speaking of youngsters uh, lewis 2000 asked the question what makes a youngster valuable seems like players who haven't played a 200 uh, percent plus or more so, so why don't you talk to us a bit about what you think makes a youngster valuable? You alluded to potentially getting transfer links, output, etc. What, what else makes a youngster valuable? I mean, I think, uh, let me just take an Arsenal point. I want to make this point because I think it's really important. Um, the problem with Arsenal young player prices on the index comparatively is that it's the fan base. Um, I think the, the way that the fan base treats the young players at the club is appalling. Um, I think uh, there was a guy on fan TV last weekend slagging off the player. Joe Willock, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely unreal. The guys scored two goals, yeah, and so uh, slagged them off. Scored two goals. It's absolutely reprehensible, and it needs to be, um, and it needs to be um, something that I think all of our fans speak out against because I think it's absolutely appalling. Um, United fans annoy me because they're always going on. They've got the new Ronaldo. They've got the new Best. You know, Makeda was the new Vieri. Janazai was the new Ronaldo. Um, this Green, oh, actually, right, Green, Green, to be fair. But, you know, he was, sorry, we said we weren't going to talk specific players, didn't we? But I'll try not to talk specific players. But, you know, they're always hyping their kids. It's like, let's show some kind of, like, belief and pattern in our kids. So I think, I think, and the specific issue that, that Lewis refers to, the problem is our fan base. Um, I think more generally in terms of youngsters, I think there's a, there's a difference between what the market is valuing now and what, the, what I think the market should value. Um, I think what the market is valuing right now, I've never been able to quite put my hands on it. It's, I used to call them hipster kids. Um, and I think that's actually a reasonable, um, 
think that's a kind of reasonable categorization for them. It's like there are some centre backs who are really good. I mean, they're young, they're playing, they're in their own 21 national teams, they're like 80p. And then there are other centre backs in the same class who are like two quid. Now, where does that price differential come from? It's like, so there's a fashion element, I think, built into this. Um, where that fashion element comes from, I'm not 100% sure. I think um, probably games like FIFA, um, Football Manager, um, contribute to that. Um, there are specific clubs. I mean, everyone likes like Benfica and Ajax, chances, don't they? Um, but do they realise that, that there are other clubs, you know, in Europe that, are, that have the similar kind of youth academies? Um, so I think that, that that in terms of the market at the moment, there's a big focus on these hipster kids. I'm going to call them. Um, what I think should make a valuable youngster is um, a path to dividends. Um, what, you know, define the path to dividends. Um, you know, how is it coming? Where is it coming from? Um, how quickly is it coming? And how many are there likely to be? It's like, think about that before you start pumping like seven or eight pounds into a player. Like, where is this dividend coming from? Um, and, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I guess this links as well to that question we had about the youth market and um, why I suggested that there might be some, some, a little bit of bubble in there. And this, um, this question is from Arf at the Lindex. He says, you seem to historically be a proponent of the youth market. So I was surprised to see a tweet from you recently indicating you believe the youth index is a bubble waiting to burst. What changed your mind? Was it just the crazy FOMO induced price bike to making PB capable first teamers? Uh, well, first, let me say, I mean, it's important to understand me um, as a person. Um, I'm, I'm quite flamboyant with language. So... Um, when I used melodramatic language, um, you know, please ignore it um, and, and, and pro, pro, probe me a little bit more. I mean, um, maybe that links into this context, like concept of responsibility, and I need to, I need to take that on board. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I I think some people made some valid points about that. I think the prices might not fall um, in per se. Uh, just maybe they don't rise very much. I think that's a valid point. Um, I think there will be new kids. Um, there always are. There's plenty of churn at the top. Um, we didn't know some of the youngsters that, that are sort of three pounds now on the index a couple of months ago because they've literally come on that much um, this season. So, uh, but that was a kind of point that I think I was making is that you know, look, you've got a, you've got a group of about fifty amazing young kids at the moment it's like some of those are going to succeed very few um and when i say succeed i mean are going to become world-class players and be good at football index because they have to do both of those things to sustain their price so you can't just go and play for united it's not enough you need to play for united and you need to induce then there'll be a group that will succeed, let's say, on a, on a mild level. So they'll, be, they'll either become you know, elite footballers and win some divs, or they'll win a lot of divs, but they'll, they'll be mediocre. Um, then there'll be a group of players that flatline, um, probably stay where they are, don't develop, 
um, keep playing for, I don't know, Genoa, whatever. Then there'll be a group of players who fall a little bit um, and never really uh, capitalise on their potential. And then there'll be a group of players who you will never heard of. Um, and, you know, you can actually figure that out if you go back and do analysis like over five, six years and look at what happens to all of the youngsters. Um, and, you know, I've done a bit of stats around that. Um, so I think you need to be aware that of all the players that look like they're going to succeed at the moment, um, in football index terms, I would say less than half of those long term have the ability to sustain the prices um, relative to the footy, let's say. Um, and that, that's that important, Because that's yeah. important. It's an important point. And people keep missing this. They keep saying, yeah, but they might not fall. They might just stay where they are. It's like, well, well you've got to keep money. It's tied up in here for three years for a player that doesn't move in price. That, that's not an effective trading strategy. So I would say that, that the reason that I've that I'm warning about this is not because I think there's going to be some major crash, and I apologise for the melodramatic use of language. It was, it was completely responsible. Um, but I just generally believe that class is a little bit bubbly. Um, I think there are players in there who, I mean, the, there are some English youngsters maybe we can p- compare to Raheem Sterling in 2011. Um, as Sterling was unreal. I mean, you know, you can even think about what Sterling, price Sterling would be if he was having that Liverpool season um, on the index right now. Um, and no one's going to say Sterling's flat line because he because he is a very good player. Um, but he's cheaper than some of these guys. Um, so it's like we need to we need to. I think people need to do some kind of serious thinking about where the definitely the path to dividends and look at the adult comparator it's like who does this player become what is the probability that that player becomes that player maybe becomes better um what are the chances of that it's like do know these numbers or or at least intuitively have some kind of um sense of what you're grappling with no i guess know the risks would just be a fine headline for this wouldn't it you know, it's like, look, I said there was going to be a crash, right? I apologise for that. But if you held young kids playing FA Cup games last weekend, you would have experienced a crash. I mean, let's not, you know, there's no need to tone that language down. Some of those players crashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a 20% drop in a day is a crash. Yeah, that, that's a big fall. A 20, 25% fall is a, it's a big fall. And the reason they crashed was that they were bubbly. But it's and but it's almost bubbly. like the the buy the rumor sell the news thing. It's kind of like buy the hype before they play and sell before they play. But this comes back to all of this these issues around tipping, doesn't it? It's like someone these were good tips on Thursday. If someone said buy X is going to play for X on Thursday, and he did, up until. 10 minutes before kickoff. That was a great <laughs> Yeah, I understand. It's like, and the competent traders would all have got out, I'm sure. I mean, I don't touch these specific group of players. But if you had them, you probably, if you were a good trader, you might have got out of them. And so it's like, 
I worry, and I think we all worry, don't we, about who, it's like you said about responsibility, it's like you've got to think about who, who, are there any costs to this falling on someone? You know, where did the cost of those FA Cup games fall? And some people will say, well, it's a gambling platform. It's like, okay, so let's just be honest about that as a community. You know, and let's just say, look, if you're buying this FA Cup kit, it's a risk. Mm. I think people need to start understanding the risk element. Yeah, responsibility. Well, there's the responsibility part, but I think traders need to understand the risk they're taking with buying some of these youngsters. They are a bubble. I don't think there's any... um, like debating that but i think one of the reasons why we're seeing some of these guys still increase is because we haven't and i've said this a few times we haven't seen many guys or youngsters fall ridiculous amounts and maybe some of the players that you're alluding to in some of those fa cup games are going to be warning to some of these traders but let's move on slightly and it's kind of yeah, like our, yeah, our data mean, section yeah. now and it's it's yeah. to do with youngsters and against the uh good folks at uh, index gain have provided me these stats i'm going to read some of them out and some of them are are really ridiculous absolutely insane stuff so 1.81 percent of dividends paid out by football index have been won by players 21 years old or younger currently on the platform in the top 200 alone that figure is 2.16 percent the average price of a player on the index is 98p whilst an under 21s player clocked in at £1.37. In the top 200, the average price is £3.88, and the average price of under-21s is £3.75, but I suppose that stat is heavily skewed by the likes of Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, Salah, etc. 23.5% of the top 200 are under-21, 21 21 or younger. That's an insane stat. 77 players on FI that are 21 or under have played more than 1,000 minutes this season. And lastly, Three under five pounds, under 21 players have managed under a thousand minutes between them. What do you make of these stats, Jay? Look, I think we need to be responsible about the way we talk about this. Of course. But but these are the facts, aren't they? These are the, this is the data. Yeah, no, these are, these are, these are, these are facts. And look, I don't. I don't think that the, that many people are going to deny, are they? That we know that it's getting a bit bubbly. Um, uh, it's getting a bit bubbly. Um, my, my first. Let's let's talk about why why this is happening. It's happening because the rises are bigger than the rises that are happening on the dividend plays. It's like so. They're, they're bigger than holding players as well. It's like, so I accept that point. Why would you hold? You know, some people say, why would you hold for a twenty percent dividend yield when you can make hundred percent on a price rise? It's like, fine, I accept that point. It's like that ain't going on forever. No, no, and, and also it's harder to to get those hundred percent rises. Definitely. Well, this this is and this is this was another component of the bank. It's about skill. It's like. If you believe you can pick the only players that succeed and you're not going to have any failures in your portfolio, I mean, that's borderline delusional. So you've got to be very aware of the risks that you're taking. And I think risk, high risk, high reward 
would be mm. um, how I would. And I think I think the statistics suggest to us that there is a bubble. I don't think I think still plenty of time for those players to continue to go up. Well, I mean, I um, guess some of them will go up, and we've and been some talking of them about trail off, for two weeks now. It's still going up. Mm. It's still going up. But but to, to, you know, to your point, Jay, I guess some of them will go up. And some of them will tail off, like we saw in in the FA Cups. It's just about seeing some of these guys consistently play, and then market sentiment will shift towards whether or not those guys. I was talking, yeah, they think yeah. they're actually worth it. So I was talking about this point of correction. It's like when does a player move from being a youngster to a dividend earner? Because because there are world class players who are twenty two and twenty three. I mean, they are elite European football playing regularly for their teams and winning dividends and winning PB and posting scores over 200 who have been wonder kids for five years who are £1.33. And so it's like at some point that player in the minds of traders gets regarded as an adult. And I think when that happens, those players will obviously then become priced based upon their dividend earnings and I think this is where the problem is is that overall as a collective group the the probability that those players fail and don't become their adult equivalent is not being priced in on a collective level right at the group level if you get what I mean like if you took 20 of them only five of them are succeed and as a consequence the whole group should factor in that risk. Yes. That's not yes. happening. That's not happening. And I explored this with a couple of people. And the reason it's not happening is that each person individually believes yes. that they've identified the one. That that makes so much sense. I don't know if you saw my video about in-play dividends the other day. No, I've not seen it yet. I do intend to watch it. Basically, what I talked about was, okay, so you have the 30-day um, period if loads of different people are buying in at different 30-day periods, that layers up and that creates intrinsic value for the, these players. What you're saying is that we're seeing this in youngsters. If I pick 20 and you pick 20 and there's three that overlap, those three are going to go up more than the rest, right? If we bought equal quantities. And if everyone cho- chose 20 or 30 youngsters that they believe in, the ones that overlap the most are going to go the highest. It makes yeah, complete sense yeah. what you're saying. And you would hope, um, you would hope that what we've done as an index is identify the ones that we believe have. And I think, I think looking at them roughly, actually, although maybe collectively they are a bit bubbly, the ones who have the obvious trigger points in the future for price rises and dividends are kind of at the top. I think we've not done a bad job of getting the ordering right. I think it's a bit problematic once you start getting down below two quid. Um, I mean, I worked the one pound market pretty heavily, and there's a lot of good youngsters in the one pound, under one pound still, who who could really pop off. Um, so I think, but I think at the headline levels, you know, we've done a reasonable good job, and you're right. The reason is that everyone's picking their sort of ten or twenty, and then the ones with the highest prices are the one, ones that everybody thinks. The problem is, is that because everyone's getting them and bolts them in their group. They're not adequate. They're overpaying because they're not pricing in the probability that they fail. It's like you don't need, you, you know, you don't need. If you went back 2011, um, 
you you would have thought Mario Goetze. I mean, Goetze was probably up there with Neymar in 2011, in my view, um, in terms of um, potential. You would definitely have thought Ikemunio in. He, again, was, 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 was potential world-class. Um, uh, that kid, Fadillo, um, at Betis, it's like he was, he was amazing. He was absolutely incredible. It's like, yeah, you would have bought Ericsson. Yeah, you would have bought Sterling. But you would also have had those players yes. in the portfolio. Yeah, that makes And total they sense. would have failed. And collectively, if you just bought those players in 2011, you might have made a bit of money, but you wouldn't have made a colossal amount of money mm. because some of those trades would have failed. Yeah, so, so I guess it's about picking and, and choosing, isn't it? It's picking and choosing. And the reason that they bother me is that people believe they've got some special kind of... Um, I've been trying to share... Um, behavioral economics books on, on, on my Twitter. It's like people should read them books because they start to get into all these kind of like brain mechanisms. It's like people believe they're special. It's like 85% of people think they have above average intelligence. It's like the average is, you know, 50. It's like how can 85% of people have above the mean? And, and, it, and they do it because they're, I guess it's arrogant. It's not arrogance. It's it's like a delusion, I guess. And I think we have the same thing with these kids, you know, as people think, oh, yeah, I watched 20 games or whatever, and I've seen them play 10 times. Yeah, they're really good. Definitely. I know this. He's going to be Neymar. It's like, no. No, no. No. If you think that, you, seriously, you need, you need to think about this for a period of time, like, like seriously, a period of like self-evaluation and self-critique. Because if you think that, 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 in my view, that's wrong. Because it's not a deterministic process, is it? It's like we've all, we've all seen players who fail. And, and everyone can quote them. Mm. You know who they are. Makeda, Janazai, all these... <laughs> Well, I mean, I, like, I said about the other day, Yanazai is still on the index and still at 155. So maybe that's also a danger. We've got players that have failed at the level when they were the under 21 bracket. Yeah. And there's still there's still some people clinging on to the hope that they're going to break through or be a I late mean, bloomer. He's been all, uh, to be fair to him, he's been all right, hasn't he? <laughs> it's not been too bad but Jay uh, I just need yeah. to remind listeners if you liked stats like the ones that I've just put out and you want to do some more digging then head over to indexgame.co.uk uh, if you use the code FIG at checkout you get 10% off the entire duration of your membership and a quick disclaimer this is for new users only so if you're already on the index game and you're looking to leave and then come back with 10% off that would be naughty and you shouldn't do that uh, thank you very much for that uh, bit and that bit of data index game guys uh, as usual much appreciated and please check out their episode two episodes ago they appeared on the podcast and they were absolutely awesome but now on to our next section which is all about research lots of people asked about research uh daily if you are only able to devote a set amount of time to football index let's say one hour a day for the purposes of this question what would you focus on doing i think the first thing i would do is go through my portfolio definitely so I always do that. Um, I do that a couple of times a day, actually, just making sure that um, I'm noting any big spikes and dips. Um, so I very pushed for time today. I didn't get to do much, but I did that. Um, and, you know, there's quite a lot of transfer spikes at the moment. It's like I've been holding those players for like four months. And then it's like I don't, I'm not really sure I want them going forward. So they've gone up 
14p, you know, just, just, just sell them to the market. Um, I'm also looking for dips as well. Um, so if anyone turns red in my portfolio, I'll, I'll have a think about, um, about topping that up, definitely. Um, so I was doing that for quite a while with uh, that, that super thing. Uh, and then it's like every time it goes down a penny, just top it back up, top it back up, top it back up. And so what happens is you amass a, a, an amount of players at you know, a reasonable price because you're always getting that dip. Um, I think it's a really, yeah, definitely, it's a really good use of time. Um, increase and decrease lists. Um, someone had, someone went down like 40p the other day. Um, and whoever was first onto that would have hundreds. Because obviously then they bounce back up, like someone just dumps them. And then, and then you know, it's a, it's a big opportunity. So I think the increase lists are really important. Um, increase and decrease lists. The increase lists as well, because like I say, if someone's gone up a lot and you had them at really um, cheap price, maybe you might want to move some of that on. Maybe you don't want to sell all of it, but it's definitely worth, I think, having a look at those lists. Um, that's how, if, I, that's, if I'm ever pushed for time, that's what I do. I just literally just look at lists. Um, I might message people as well that I know um, are good at transfers and just say, have you seen any news today? Is anything going down? Um, I'll have a look at the Twitter feed as well. Just scroll down an hour or two's worth. Um, just looking at transfer rumours, seeing if there's anything going on. Um, so I think just kind of, I just make sure that I do the basics every day um, if I'm pushed for time, I guess. Um, if I can get outside and uh, outside the office and just do like an hour's work on actual research, um, I guess games is always good to know what's coming up because um, again you need to know if you need to buy in or if you need to sell. So what games are this weekend? Who's playing? You'd probably need to know all of your holds and what their calendar is for the next couple of weeks. Um, I, I guess I would I would just recommend just doing like basic kind of it's not even research is it it's just basic kind of housekeeping i guess if you if you if you if you push the time just focus on the housekeeping stuff would be my what what do you think what do you do if you're sort of push for time what what do i do if i'm pushed for time yeah, yeah. um i've always said that i do my best uh football indexing on the toilet uh i think fi- finding finding i guess finding those periods of time where you can also devote time to doing something else for example okay i've said being on the toilet and that's very crude but also on your commute stuff like yeah, that commutes like, are huge. Yeah, i mean yeah. i've i've planned uh months or weeks of my podcasts uh, on 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 my on my commute and if you want to devote time to football index on your commute i think that's also a good, good idea um but next question about research because obviously people want to know more about you jay not not me martin cookstar said oh this is quite a funny one if you had the chance yeah, to sleep with lad. the woman of your dreams one time only or watch 24 football matches every day for the rest of your lives for uh, life what would you choose i mean when i initially answered this i thought it was 24 games in a day um but it's not as it's every day so you would never be able to watch a game again um i think that would be a pretty serious uh to watch 24 Nos. football matches every day of your life would be quite strenuous. 
Well, you wouldn't want to do that anyway, would you? No, yeah. absolutely. I mean, not. I like this guy. You know, he's a bit of a hater, but he, you know, <laughs> seems like a good lad, and at least he's amusing <laughs> with his with the things that he tweets. I me, mean, I haven't blocked him, so um, yeah. I mean, I went for Alexandre Cortez, uh, the American politician, initially, but I don't know. I don't know. I've sacked off a lot of like socialising and stuff this past year, you know, to do this. So I think I'm going to go with uh, yeah, Cortez. <laughs> Fair play. Uh, next question from uh, Rio Index uh, at Build a Strategy. I can see that research is high on your agenda as a trader. So what steps do you follow when looking for value? So talk about us about your research tactics. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. So um, I'm looking primarily at price and performance data comparisons. Um, so um, I use a lot of Opta um, to look at like raw performance because there's a difference between like let's differentiate it for people, right? There's a difference between a performing player and someone who's good at PB. Um, so I think it's important to know who's performing but maybe not necessarily getting those PB scores um, because that's going to indicate to you who's going to be likely for sort of transfer moves and hype in the near future. Um, so I use Optidata, score.com. Um, there's Optidata on SofaScore. Um, Squawker used to do really good data, but they don't seem to have updated it this year, but that's another good data site. Maybe it's updated now. Um, so I'm always looking at performance data first. So I know all the statistical averages for, I don't know them, but I'm aware of where they lie um, off the top of my head. You could use trading, you could use like diaries and things and, but my memory's a little bit like crazy, so I tend to remember these numbers. Um, there are also things like talent websites. Um, they're really good. I always look at the lists, you know, these like UEFA's 50 to watch. Um, Dom Ballon's like 10 best under 18s or like, uh, I don't know, somebody's Syria team of the year. You know, I always look, I'm always looking at that kind of stuff. Um, and then when you watch games, you know, you're watching in game, you're like, oh, that's that kid who's averaging 6.97 over these, these games this season. You're like, actually, yeah, he's pretty good. And then you can kind of mesh it all together if it makes sense. So it's about kind of getting that statistical analysis done first, getting these lists of who all the big players are, and then watching them in play. And it's easier to watch games because you're like, You'll be watching a match and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a kid. And so they all stick in your head. And, and if you do this for a period of time, it becomes uh, just something that you learn, I guess, just like learning like anything, really. Um, but it's, it, I guess it's quite time intensive, but it's it, it's, not, it's nothing. I wouldn't say it's nothing exceptional. I mean, then you find these players and you think, oh, I quite like them. Then you go and check their price, don't you? And you look at, um, and if you've been on here for a year, you know a good price um you know anyone is performing anyone who's under sort of 60 70 80p is just a buy um but yeah do the price analysis if you're new because you need to figure out what's cheap um and look at the you know there's a re there's some really good data on um, index edge actually and they do price versus um pb score which is a really i'm sure index gain do something similar as well so you look at the, the players' PB scores versus their price, 
Um, so you can make those kind of comparisons. Yeah. Um, I think but that's just, really... Just speaking on. on that statistical side, Rosie asks, do you find your statistical background helpful or do you almost end up over-analyzing things? Yeah, so is there yeah, that flip side? Yeah, definitely. So you're, what the benefit is you're, min, you're minimizing risk. Um, I mean, it depends how you do it, but I, I use it to minimize risk. So um, I won't... I won't Analytic. I won't pay. I won't buy someone that analytically doesn't stack up, um, and that's why I've lost. You know the extra. I had a lot of those kids that have been rising recently. As I'm sure we all did, um, and probably quite a lot of us got out 25% ago. Um, and the reason I got out was just purely analytical. Yeah, is the the value wasn't there for me analytically anymore. Um, but that said, I will still own. Um, those younger players, if I can find ones that are underpriced um, for their potential versus their price, so it is a hindrance, definitely. I mean, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't start doing this kind of stuff and think it's the only way that you can trade because you will, you know, you will get yourself into a lot of trouble, and especially if you don't do it right. I mean, that's the thing about analysis as well. It's like if you do it wrong, you're really in trouble. Um, I did a piece on keepers recently, and I must have like sent it out to about ten people to check. So I was just so like, I must have done this wrong. Um, so, you know, I think you're right. Uh, Rose is right in a degree, uh, to a degree that that you're going to miss. But you can analyse, <laughs> you can analyse uh, hype, couldn't you, if you'd done it properly. Um, so I usually track baskets of players' prices. So I've been, I've been tracking media buzz, uh, performance buzz, and um, transfer targets throughout January. Um, I've been tracking their prices um, probably since about mid, mid, mid December, maybe. Um, but I didn't, I didn't track kids. Um, I just didn't think it would go off like this. But if I had, I would have seen those earlier. I would have seen those earlier kind of murmurings in, in late December and early January. So that, that relates to what I'm saying about having the tools. It's like if this was a full-time job, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people that are competent at stats and analysis on the index. It's like if you did it as a full-time job, it would be extremely profitable. But you can't dedicate like a couple of hours a week to doing like analysis and then just use it to trade because that's a path to... You know that's a path to, to ruin. So I think I think you're right. I think you have to kind of get the right balance between um, analysis and, and and what's actually happening. But like I say, if you've done your proper analysis, you'll know what's happening, and you'll have some kind of tool to measure that. Um, that that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Having the right tools and also piling them and compiling them on top of your other theses. Uh, but I, th- I think we've talked about data for a bit now and, and analyzing things and research here, Jay. Uh, the next questions have been about in-play dividends. Uh, SOTD says, I believe in in-play dividends. He says, I believe in-play dividends are overvalued. <laughs> SODD says, I believe in-play dividends are undervalued on Football Index and have seen tweets which make me believe you are of the same opinion. Why do you think this and how do you think this will develop over the next few months? Um, the reason I think that they're underpriced Okay, let's just let's be careful with the language here. 
I believe there's a group of them that are underpriced um, is because I've done the analysis um, on what I think they will yield over the next few months. I've subtracted the costs of trading those players from the dividend yields and I've calculated their monthly returns and they're uh, quite crazy. Um, they're astronomically high and they shouldn't be that high. Now, people, people say, well, you know, people have lost interest in pay dividends and blah, blah, blah. It's like, fine, okay, accept that. But look, you know, I extrapolated my analysis out over a year. It's like some of these people are, are returning 40, 50%, even after commission, providing you can market sell. Providing you can market sell, that's a, that's a big provider. That's a lot of money. And in my experience, um, markets move through fashions, but underlying value um, never goes ignored. Um, so my view is that any person that, that does the analysis um, will find the same thing I found. I actually did a, a, a blog post. It's not very good. Um, I, I just wanted to get it out quickly, really, and just say to people, look, this is what I found. Um, I guess this was an example of me doing something um, that doesn't really benefit me because they're going to dilute my yields over the long term. Um, but, you know, I think it's important for people to have it out there. It's good for people who follow me. Um, and I get, I just, do you know what? I get really frustrated by um, these kind of anomalies. It's like they shouldn't be there. Like, please just like go. Um, you know, it's like, why are you yielding 48%? You shouldn't be like, please disappear. So um, I've been going on about this now, like for a week or so. Um, and, and so I think they're undervalued because they are. I mean, we value, um, we're happy to hold players who return 15, 20% a year. Um, after commission, these guys are returning a lot higher than that. So, I mean, you can't, it's not really, I mean, it is an opinion. It's, an, it's like you said about the, the facts of the, the kid prices. It's like, it's a fact-based opinion. Um, I, I don't see... But it's on select groups and you need to do the analysis because there are people who could bang in 20 goals a season, but they're like two quid. So it's like, how much return are you going to get there each month by the time you've paid um, your commission costs? Uh, the, the the biggest problem is keepers. Um, yeah, because Ali G here asks uh, if you think we're going to see in play clean sheet dividends develop, develop in the coming months, could we start seeing keeper spikes on the back of clean sheets like we do strikers for goals? So I started noticing this early December um, and then um, I mentioned it on a tweet and then Ali picked up on it. Um, so Ali, Ali also has picked up on this. Um, and we saw the spikes. So we saw, uh, I think, a seven-piece spike for running on Friday. Uh, Saturday, sorry, we saw a spike for the Espanol keeper on um, Friday. So we're seeing, I think, um, these spikes, and they're pretty dramatic. You know, people are thinking about £5 players going up 50p, so it's 10%. It's like really uh, went up by, what, 10 11% in a day. 
plus you would have got the 4% from your dividend return. So if you were on him at the start of play, you made big money out of that. Um, so, I, yeah, absolutely, I believe in these in-play dividends. I think they're fantastic, and I think they raise the prices of all of those players who are going to be regularly earning them. Um, I think most of the value lies in the keepers, and I would encourage people to look into that. Um, but there's plenty of value to be had for strikers as well. Um, in terms of the, the, the size of the spike, the problem with the big spikes for the goal scorers is sometimes they score two or three hat-tricks of four. So obviously you're not going to get, because you can't have double clean shoot, but um, I would imagine that you get, you know, three, four-piece spike in play maybe, plus the clean sheet. And then, you like, as you said about... Um, your video, I'll be interested to watch that actually, I will watch it, um, that you've done about these um, dividends. You don't need to sell at the 30-day point. If you bought players that you know are cheap anyway and are underpriced, you just hold them until they move towards a price that you think is fairer. There's no, there's no rush. I mean, if you're on those value keepers, they're, I, I don't want to say top prices. I mean, they, they, they could conceivably rise quite a lot. Um, there's no rush. I'm not. I'm not stressed about owning like five, six hundred of some of these guys. It's not stressing me out. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I do do believe in it. I'm happy to stake my sort of um, my reputation. I have one on that. Um, <laughs> it, is, you know. it is great though that we have so many different ways to to win now on football index, and so many different reasons to trade. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And it's just about finding an angle, isn't it, as well? Like, find something that suits you as a person. It's like anyone that's listened to me now for an hour ago on um, can tell that I see the world like through numbers. So if you don't, don't try to. It's mental. Um, but if you do, then there are lots of opportunities for you. And I think there are, you know, in terms of these in-play dividends, there are a good core, I know, of people, because I, I chucked them in this sporadically, who do trade unethically. I think we all, a good, good, good sort of 10, 15 of us who, who think fairly similarly, um, including some of the people who've asked those questions. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great market, in-play dividends. I love it. Speaking of questions, uh, Football Index Medic says, when order books were first announced at the London Trading Meet, you mentioned that you would need to research this. Have you spent much time on this? And if so, have you started to develop a strategy or plan for when they are implemented? So um, I know a little bit about these about order books um, from, um, from other trade platforms. Um, I'm not sure yet how they're going to be implemented on the index. Um, no, I haven't done any research. Um, I was away um, for quite a while, unfortunately. Um, and then I've come back to mountains of work, so um, I haven't, unfortunately. Perhaps um, have you, I mean, what, do you want to talk a little bit about what you know about the, about the order books so far and how they're going to come in? Well, I, I think I've made a video about how I think they'll work. Um, you, you guys should definitely check it out. Um, but I think we'll see something along the lines of Betfair, but in the in the vertical sense, maybe. Um, I, I'm not really too sure how it will work. The one thing I'm 
absolutely unsure about is how much liquidity Football Index or a third party will provide. But I suppose that's just kind of us waiting for them to, one, build the thing, two, finalize the product side. So you've got the underlying tech and then you've got the front end, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. Uh, and then importantly, from their perspective, not to make it too complex. But I don't know. I I, I don't think I've, I've done extensive amount of research and obviously I've, I've used other exchanges before um so that's kind of helped but I, I wouldn't say i'm an expert and truly i am just waiting for football index like the next person but similarly to the order books uh there are a lot of people who want us to speak and touch upon sh- the share split uh here jay ryan pierce says not so much a question but i'd like your to hear your thoughts on the share split split by what number, how you think prices would move or should move, and what you think will happen to the market immediately after, and then a few months down the line. So I've heard half and a quarter quoted as the share split. Is that a fair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think a few people have said those two are the most common things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's they're the numbers that we're hearing. Um, I don't know if there's been any official verification along those lines yet, has there? No, no, I don't think there so has. It's basically, um, so no one really, we're just speculating. No, no. Yeah. I think a lot of people are taking it from the precedent that we had a four-way split. Okay. And then a lot of people are saying, oh, well, it's definitely going to be by two. And then people will turn around, well, actually, Neymar will go to just 10 quid, and that's not that cheap. So a lot of people are, are, tr- are trying to speculate. So then surmise that it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's more speculative at this point. But what, what's your gut feel, and, and what do you think about the share split? The way I see all of these events unfold is that what happens is that um, because the vast majority of traders have um, most of their holdings in the um, higher priced players, or um, that's why they're higher priced, um, what usually happens is you get discourse that emerges around these events, which says, um, you know, this will cause the higher players to rise. And of course, that discourse in itself is. Um, it's like a self-made market, if you like, um, and then so everyone believes it and it becomes true. Um, we're seeing that, and I don't think that's untrue. Um, it's because I don't hold many of those people, and I don't see that. So I would expect um, that to continue to happen. I think um, the uh, literature around prices suggests that it's probably more advantageous to hold a... Um, £5 player for um, £1 of dividends than it is to hold a £20 player for four. So I think that's a valid point. I think um, it's also valid that people are more likely to buy a £5 item than a £20 item. I think all that logic stacks up. Um, So I do agree, Um, even though I don't hold them, I completely agree that, that it's logical that the rises that we've experienced a lot so far are logical. Um, I th- my gut tells me that um, from the way I trade, that the mid-market might not be the one that sees the most benefit um, because you're still going to have all these amazing players now at cheap prices um, that are going to draw people in. Um, you know, how good are you? Like, how appealing are you? Two pound strikers going down to 50p. Um, I don't see that much going on there. The interesting part of the market, I think, will be 
if anyone goes to single figures or like you know 14p it's like they're, they're like, like there's gna players at like 13p and i'm thinking maybe just whatever happens to them i just hold them till the share split because then you've got a dividend earner at like 12 13p it's like all of a sudden that's like wow I might jump in there. And I think people are very sensitive to very small prices. So I think the biggest rises will come at the top end um, and they will come at the bottom end. But but ultimately, over time, we should see, there's no reason to suggest that we shouldn't see the same. Um, but this would be a very piece, interesting piece of analysis, actually, to look at if someone could look at what happened before. Um, to prices in each of the different price categories. That would be an incredible piece of analysis to do. Because um, it, it is, in a way, it is, um, I'm speculating really from other experimental evidence that I've seen on low prices, but um, it'd be interesting to see the data behind that. So I keep saying data, don't I? But it would, it would genuinely be interesting, I think. Um, but for me, for me, I mean, I'm probably atypical because I do work that one pound market a lot. I'm looking in there um, for people that I think are good holds who are still very cheap um, because I do think they become more appealing when they're down in the teens and single figures. Mm-hmm. I, it's going to be strange to see people in single figures. I seem to remember N'Golo Kante going like really low at one point, 13p or something like that one day. I, I don't know. I think Jay the other Jay will confirm he, he was one buying when he got all the way down there. But I think we need to move on to a next question. Football index wolf. Uh, so this is about kind of new territories and, and, uh, and stuff. Football index wolf. When FI open up to Europe, what about selecting your preferred media? E.g. if you're French, you would tick a box to set your portfolio to be linked to only French MB rankings and only win MB from that. This wouldn't upset the apple cart and be more appealing to other countries. I disagree. I think it would upset the apple cart because if you had this disparity in the number of people using uh football index from say england or france or germany or spain if there's more in one for example like if there's two million users in england and only five hundred thousand in france those players in the uk are going to be higher because there's more people and more money and if you're if from france and you want to buy an english player you're going to have to pay more but not be eligible to media dividends so i don't think that's an a I, I don't know how attractive a proposition that is. I mean, the thing is, with a lot of these ideas that people come up with, it's like they're good ideas. It's like I can see why you'd be interested in that, and I can see why a group of people would be interested in doing something like that. It's like every time you're adding like a layer of like complexity, aren't you? It's like let's just get the share split done. It's like then let's look at moving like the. the getting the new website out and then looking at the info provision on the website. And it's like, it's just, you know, there's only so many things I think, and I think this point's been made before at trading. It's like, there's only so much kind of tech time that they've got. Um, so I think we need to be like patient, don't we, around, um, what do you think? I think we need to be patient around the sort of demands that we make for adding layers of complexity to the, 
um, grow the index. I think this. that's the key, isn't it? We don't want to make it too complex and we don't want to make it imbalanced. I think that would lead to quite a strange scenario where suddenly if you're from Sweden or Germany or whatever, you're paying premiums for players from France or Italy or England, depending on how much money is in that territory, which would be strange. I think the guys at Football Index, again, are probably thinking of a solution as we speak, aren't they? They would be stupid not to. And I think they've got some pretty clever people behind the scenes that, that will figure something out, I think. but um, I wanted to make that point, actually. Someone asked, didn't they, about the golf index? It's like, does the, does the existence of multiple indexes jeopardise the profitability of the index or something like that? Um, and there's, you can use this response, I think, for everything. Like people that run companies, man, they are smart. It's like the people that they hire are smart. So like these people know what they're doing. So like if you've thought about it, then they've yeah, thought yeah, about yeah, yeah. It. You know, it's like they are smart. Like people, like people are productive and, and work at these kind of levels. They're just they're just. And if you're thinking about it in your free time, and they're doing it nine to five every day. The, char- the chances Absolutely. are, just by the laws of probability, Absolutely. that they've thought about it before. Definitely. I agree. I completely agree with you. Um, so, so Darren Young, has kind of on the same lines, but slightly different, says, enjoying the Figcast, mate. Uh, thank you very much, Darren. As a new user, I <laughs> find good value in the Bundesliga. Out of all the new territories to come abroad, aboard, who do you think will have a greater impact on the index? I mean, do we? I've not looked at this. Do, do we know how many sort of people are engaging in the other temperatures? Um, I could tell you from the, the the traction that I get. I'd say yes, Ireland accounts for maybe three percent of my YouTube views. So, if you want to extrapolate that onto the index, then let's say between zero and three percent for Ireland, and less than one percent for Sweden. So, you know, I think we have to be patient over these new territories and not expect them to be, um, you know, I went a bit crazy on like, uh, on some Swedish players when, when, when Sweden was announced. So, you know, that was a bit, a bit of a, a bit of mistake looking back. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, let's not, let's not understate the importance of new territories because obviously it's key to their continued growth units, but, you know, let's not, Let's not all jump into Bundesliga players because we might open in Germany. Um, that said, um, I would imagine that there will be enough um, Bundesliga um, traders um, who... I think there is value in the Bundesliga. I think that was part of the question. Part I think question? he says... He, he says um... Uh, sorry, he says, I find good value in Bundesliga. But I think his overarching yes. question is... I mean, you've got to remember... His overarching question, I think, is more what will, yeah. who will have, yeah. what territory will have the greatest impact on the index. I, I think it's obviously, probably yeah, yeah. obviously, the USA if we ever get there. If we get to the US, yeah, obviously. I mean, but Germany and Spain were talked about, weren't they? Um, so, yeah, I'm optimistic about the, the impact of those. But obviously, everyone wants to get into the US, of course. Um, whether that happens, I don't mm. know. Um, we can only dream. We can only dream. Bundesliga. Absolutely. I mean, it would be, it would be yeah, life-changing. <laughs> For sure. If, if we could get opened up in, in the US. So let's just continue to hope. Yeah, you can only hope. One issue with the Bundesliga, 
34 games, mm. isn't there? That's the only problem with the Bundesliga, is the four less games, um, I would say, as well. So you've got, you've got 34 games in Bundesliga versus 38 in other leagues. Yeah, yeah. Which potentially justifies um, a sort of 10%. Maybe 10% price difference. Yeah, they have 10% less opportunity to win PB, so it's only understandable that Definitely. some of those guys aren't as high priced. And the winter break is obviously quite long. Um, yeah. All those factors. Probably a good time to buy them because they've been out for yeah. quite a while now. So maybe it's a good time to look yeah. over them. Yeah, but our next so. question is from Golfing Grandad. He says, Not had a question for a week or two, so I have two here. I've only picked one Golfing Grandad because we're running out of time. Uh, one. With your average price being sub £1, what is it about this part of the market that you find more attractive than the middle or the top? I mean, I've, I've touched on it a bit. I think the key issue around why I initially went to the bottom was the bottom is there's no kind of boundary on the... Um, there's, no, there's no boundary on the, the, on the rise. It's like... If you're 40p, the amount that you can go up by in in percentage terms is astronomical. I mean, you could go up a thousand percent, conceivably. I mean, I don't, I can't think of that many examples, but it's conceivable. So it's like if you're Neymar, you're 90 quid, you ain't going up a thousand percent. It's impossible. Um, that said, if you're going to start mucking about in this part of the market, then you need to know what you're doing. You can't be, well, I was going to say you can't be going in and buying those Peru players, but someone does persistently seem to keep buying those 20p players and putting them on the on the trending list, um, which is something to watch out for, I would say. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, those World Cup players are 20-25p. Yeah, there's been a lot of people... Uh, pushing them up quite randomly sometimes yeah definitely that's definitely something to watch out for don't get caught i would say don't get caught if you're going to do it understand you know that what what's going on there is someone is just buying those up trying to get someone to hook into them and then is going to literally just dump them within minutes it's, it's vile and you know people need to be on the watch out for that i would say um but yeah i mean the rise is generally um the, the rises are, are unlimited. Um, and if you're on the right players, then, I mean, that's, that I would say that's the reason that I've done well. Because um, I'm still quite new, let's forget, I've only been on here for a year. Shouldn't have done as well as I did then this year. Um, and I would say that the contributing factor to that is working that market quite intensely. Um, and, and you know, it, because the players are so cheap, it doesn't take much to get a 50% rise. We saw a 50% rise on Sunday on a good La Liga left back who's not bad at PB, should never have been 40p. It's like if you can find those players, then the rises do come. And so I work, I work it because the rises are so big. But there's no point in working it if you're picking dots. So you need to have the time to be able to figure out what's down there. There's no point in buying dirt and then it just stays dirt, I would say. You've got to work it hard. 
But if you work it, the rewards are higher. That, that's what I would say. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think you definitely do need to do more and more research the further down the index you go. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the overarching point. There's no point in just dibbling down there. You know, people keep saying this to me. It's like, oh, you know, uh, what should I do to find these players? You've got to do a lot Um, because they're down there for a reason. They're down there because they've done nothing to make the price rise. We've, done, we've been pricing them for a year now and they're still down there, which means the chances are that most of them are not good. So it's hard down there, I would say, but it's more rewarding, I think, in terms of the rises when they do come, providing you've picked the right Potentially ones. more satisfactory from an intellectual perspective as well. If you if you pick someone that no one's ever seen and they win PB, it could can feel quite nice. We go back to what am I doing part of time with like tweets and stuff it's like look you know part of what i'm doing here is just going look you know i just keep finding these players that none of you can buy it's like it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an egotistical thing partly um because it is so rewarding um and, and it does make me so happy to just like pick these guys up and you know they're 40p players, some of them. So you've always got this like weird attachment to them as well. Um, you know, people understate the like the psychological kind of benefits. I think of, of um, succeeding and in indexing as well. You're right; it is very rewarding. Mm. Well, Fitty Index Chaz said, "You once said that you make a profit every day." So obviously you use different trading techniques and strategies. Can you give us a brief description of everything you do or anything you think is important in doing so? So let's elaborate that. Profit every day. Okay, let's elaborate this. There was a period, I, I can't remember, it was, it was September, I think it was, um, and I had my first red day. No, actually I got out of it in the end. Um, but then about a week later I had a red day. Um, and it was about six months um, now, the reason that that happened was um, because I'd luckily got on market cycles for about four months. Um, so that was why that happened, because I'd anticipated markets, all the market cycles correctly. Um, and I that's not skill, that, that's luck. Because everyone has good ideas about market cycles, and some of them will be wrong, um, but might be logically correct. Um, so part of that was luck. Like, don't please don't understand. Like, you have to understand that. Like, part of that was luck. Um, I do a lot to make sure I'm not jumping on players who I think have a lot of bubble in them. Like I said, with this analysis, it's like if someone's above a price I think they should be, I won't get on. So what that does is, of course, it minimises the amount of red that you get because you're not buying into anything that has any kind of um, bubble in it whatsoever. But I suspect a bit of bubble. I wouldn't buy Hudson last summer at 140. And the reason I wouldn't buy him is because he was 70p more than Nelson. And I didn't like that. So I didn't buy him. Because I, I genuinely wouldn't, I'm not involved, and I don't regret that trade at all. Because there is no reason for the double price, in my view. 
and I will maintain that until I see evidence that that's wrong. And he's not double the price now, actually. Like Nelson is now about three quarters of his price. So proportionately, if I bought Nelson instead of, well, I did buy Nelson. Um, the the better trade was Nelson, proportionally, if I'd sank that money into Nelson. But that's the reason that I don't have many red days, is because I will refuse to buy anyone that I think has any bubble in them whatsoever. The bubble, the bubble, definitely. And the bubble could be transfer, it could be single game. I might look ahead and think, well, maybe he's got a bit of single game bubble in him. Maybe he's got a bit of transfer bubble in him. Um, a bit of hype bubble. Um, so I'm always doing things like that just to, just to minimise red. Really. Mm, fair. Um, I don't like being ripped off. Like, <laughs> pretty stingy with my money. You know? So mostly looking for, for value then, which is what we all tend to do. Speaking of value, Tom Mitchum says, the return of European competitions and enhanced dividends, so for everyone that doesn't know, quarterfinals and onwards are automatically triple days on pb for football index and and he says and the share split are likely to roughly align time wise time wise so those two things is there a lot of opportunity in pb players who are likely to reach the later european stages for example those with easy draws in a round of 16 is this being overlooked that's interesting it's an interesting point isn't it i've not thought of it before um that the share split could I mean, my view was that this was the next trade cycle, so um, I started probably buying up EL and PB players around um, two weeks ago, because um, I, I tried to get in at least a month behind what I, in front of what I think is the next cycle. Um, so I'm already on them. So I agree that their um, their that their outlook is positive. Um, would the share split have any added impact? Um, it's, it's conceivable, isn't it? Definitely. Um, I mean, what tends to happen, I guess, you could you could think of it a little bit like a, maybe you could think of it like a deposit balance, couldn't you? But what tends to happen at these times is that people pour money in, and then the ones who fly are the topical players at the time. So if the share split happens, in, when, when is it being touted? For sort of late March, in April, that kind of time. No, I, I don't think there's there's been any date, um, even rumoured, really. I think the Football Index SOTD, Lee, made a great point to me the other day, uh, just in, in the DMs. He said, so much money is going in in anticipation of the share split. It makes sense for Football Index to do it as last minute as possible, really, in, in Q1, because so much money is going in in anticipation of the share split. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, regarding European competition, what I would say is there are great opportunities, but also we do need to look at players that went out, crashing out of the Champions yes, League last that's season. A great point. That yeah, yeah, there were yeah. some bloody days for those players, and absolutely. you need to weigh up the risk v reward and what the probability is for actually um, for them going through. And, and maybe even using the bookies or, or betting websites to hedge your bets to some extent. Uh, yeah, I do that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very good point. I did, I, I, so I think, uh, I think the prices rose too much last year. Um, I don't think we should look back at last year's rises and think we're going to get the same rises this year. Do you agree with that? 
I think so, but not because of the underlying value, but maybe more because of the market sentiment where there are more new traders learning about the platform, buying players that they like, buying youngsters more so, rather than looking at dividend yields, if that makes sense. So yes, what I'm saying yeah, is, yeah. will we see as big a rise? I'm not sure. Will it be because there's the, 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 the asset is undervalued? No, it's probably because of market sentiment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anything so, else to add uh, in in general, Jay? Before you before you leave us after this lengthy podcast, it's been long, hasn't it? It's been long. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I think we covered we covered most of the questions that were asked on the podcast, didn't we? Uh, that were asked on the on the thread. Um, where, where can people follow you on Twitter? They can follow me um, at my, my my handle is I found that is. Um, they can follow me on there if they want. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for joining me this evening, mate. It's been a, it's been a pleasure, really. Uh, if anyone asks a question and they didn't get it read out, I'm sorry. There was just physically too many. Otherwise, we would have been here all night. And uh, I don't know how long you guys can bear listening to my voice. <laughs> um, but if you are commuting, please do enjoy your commute. And if you're not commuting, enjoy whatever you're doing. Having a bath. Uh, cleaning your toilet whatever it may be Jay thank you very much mate 